did you guys go to lectures? As in, did you find that a uh, an effective way of learning? I um well, I went to. I mainly went to like seminars and lectures like first year. I think second year I had like a phase where I only went to the seminars where it's like classes and stuff. Yeah. Because the lectures I found, they just had a PowerPoint online and very rarely was like, there was very rarely was there extra information like provided at the lecture compared to what was online and you could go like read later on. Yeah, in your own time as well. They've changed it now, but when I was in first year, all our lectures were two hours long. No one can sit for that long and actually focus anyway i sometimes feel that unis have lectures as a way of justifying that they're a university in a really weird way yeah yeah i and they've got the big lecture theaters and they might as well use them but i um i used to write like loads of notes in lectures and stuff like write everything and then i remember as the year sort of went on like this is second year third year i'd started going and actually working hard but i remember like the notes got shorter and shorter to the point where i'd write the title and then be like nothing else and i just like <laughs> I'd be like, do I want to write any notes now? I can't be asked. Just like sit here for an hour and then... <laughs> you write a piece of paper. This is what I'm here for. And then you just sit yeah. back. <laughs> there'd be, a, there'd be um, like a sheet of paper in my like notepad or whatever. And it would have one tile and then underneath it would just be the tile from the next lecture. And then it would have it like below that, the tile from the next lecture. I've written the tile like three times. I don't want to waste the paper, but it's not done anything. But yeah. I'm not a good example though, because I don't work hard. I was gonna say, I did something similar in third year actually, where I would go to lectures and then end up not taking many notes, but I feel like it was for like the opposite reason. Yeah. But I would go and write like the sort of subtopics of what we were covering, but then just sort of make sure I was sat there and listening, really paying attention to what the lecturer was saying and then go home and write up proper notes after. But I can only really afford to do that when I was putting loads of effort in my first or second year. I wasn't putting that effort. I couldn't afford to do that. So I guess that's like an overall kind of question. Do you think uni's overrated? Well, I think it was pretty much what I expected it to be, like very social and also it pretty much, well, I watched like Fresh Meat and stuff like just before yeah. it. And- a <laughs> <laughs> big difference to Fresh Meat. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was like slightly different. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> documentary wasn't it i thought yeah yeah it was live action one of them <laughs> it was live it's like like live and that's just lion king you know when it's uh, you know, live action sorry yeah i don't know um it was pretty similar to what i expected i think in that everyone was just there to have fun pretty much and they did <laughs> and, and fun was, um, <laughs> fun was had yeah <laughs> well it's, it's quite it's the fact that everyone was all almost in like the same boat and stuff and had these expectations of uni probably helped the experience you know what i mean yeah like because everyone was up for it like if people had like i don't know gone to uni i don't know in their like for everyone had gone at like everyone had been like lived life and then gone to uni like at it would have been completely different i think yeah i always think that the age you go is so important like i couldn't have gone to undergrad at like 22 or 23 i think you had to be like 18 or 19 because at that age you because i think when you're older especially if you look at like if you speak to like mature students i think they feel slightly alienated because they go to uni because they think oh you know this is a place to have fun but also i can actually get a degree out of it Whereas the actual focus for 90% of the people there is, I just want to go and just see what happens. Yeah. 
go to uni for the parties and stuff and the, the whole experience as a whole the fun of it i think for like an 18 year old and 19 year old it's like your first sort of bit of freedom especially when you go to a uni like far away from your family yeah but do you think that, that puts a lot of pressure on people because yeah i think most people would have associated uni to being like oh this is a place where you can express yourself you can have a good time you can kind of have that bit of that that transition period between being a child and then an adult do you think that puts a lot of pr- pressure on people to actually have fun and if you're not having fun you're thinking oh god like am i am i at the wrong place am i doing uni wrong yeah. i think definitely in the first sort of maybe only even two weeks that is definitely true where i think you can tell everyone is really feeling pressure to like have the most fun they can and every time you meet someone new it's like oh my god are you gonna be my friend for life that everyone tells you you make at uni but i think because that it becomes your life because you live there 24 7 and you have to fend for yourself the whole time i do think that kind that wears off a little bit Mm. that that pressure goes because like lauren said earlier everyone's in the same boat and everyone's feeling that pressure to begin with so you just find a way to get on and you're going to find someone that's a group of people that are similar to you and you can get on with that's such an interesting dynamic that you spoke about about when you're first meeting people in those initial couple of weeks you're always looking at people like oh hi like with really wide eyes looking to see if you know you you are going to be my best mate (laughs) which is quite a quite a desperate situation to put yourself in yeah because before you go everyone says oh you make the best friends at uni like everyone that i was at uni with are still my friends now so you're in there that first two weeks you're meeting so many new people oh my god you could be my yeah. best friend forever like do we have the same interests what are you like on <laughs> so funny do you think that means then sometimes because of that pressure to to really cling on to people that sometimes the people that you meet in those initial weeks you might not actually be compatible with those people they might not be actually good people to be long-term friends with and that people actually stick on with people much longer than they need to do because of this fear of of not having a friendship group or not having you know someone you know people that you can leave university with well I, well my um flatmates I, I got on with them all well we had it was weird because i was in this weird flat where i think we had s- seven people but like immediately within about a week one of them left and he sort of stayed in this room for the the week and no one saw him and then he left like dropped out or something but i was kind of in a bit of a silly flat where i got on with the there's like four of us that actually were there the whole year and we got on and it was like fine when nights out and stuff but like other ones were like we had people come and go and it was kind of a weird flat like a weird dynamic because i don't know um like i think we had like four or five different people move in during the year and move out really which is quite what were you doing to them yeah why did they were you the common denominator they were like i just gotta get out of this place lawrence is just winding me up (laughs) well they walked in and they saw me and they were like Let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think how many people I had in my flat now because I we started with seven. I think we lost one within about lost. Didn't, didn't die. I sadly died. You didn't miss. Like, <laughs> about a week. Then there was a replacement for him, who also left after about maybe a month. And then there was another person replacing him. And then the then the girl that lived in my flat also dropped out at like. Christmas time, and then I think someone else might have left. I can't really remember. But um, how many was that? Three? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. but but it's interesting that instability that you had in your flat is probably actually more synonymous with a lot of people and their experience with the uni. 
if you go there and actually you realize it's not for you so, i mean so many people drop out so many people drop out so many people like have terrible times um yeah they they don't feel like they belong and they you know a lot of them kind of stick it out for you know i had a situation where one of my flatmates had kind of been through quite a rough like a rough patch over kind of sec- second and third year and during kind of his first term of third year he was like i'm i'm really thinking about leaving or at least deferring for a year and it shows you that you know he probably felt that way and probably lots of other people have felt that way but they've been like oh i just gotta stick it out i think for my course alone like um my uni in the main course on it was sports science so there's like 400 500 people or something like in well my year group and i'm pretty sure after the first year about a quarter or like a fifth had gone that's crazy from the that is crazy which is a quite a lot isn't it like i know it's a it's a big sort of group and there's there's obviously people that didn't like pass the year and sort of went left but yeah there's quite a lot of and on a kind of more serious side as well like there are those are people that have dropped out of university but also i, I know especially with certain degrees I know, I know law is a huge problem with this but like uni suicide rates for the course is it's unreal you know, even I mean, in Bristol University, I'm saying there, but I'm sure other universities have similar problems as well, have had, you know, four or five students kill themselves. Yeah, and it shows that actually, like, university, to some degree, is not really the kind of one-size-fits-all for everyone. And so, like, I think if you think about Fresh Me as a show, the idea is that, oh, these are all different kinds of people who come together yeah. in one place and they all kind of seamlessly fit and they find their way. But actually, it's... This is what I was saying earlier. Is you know the question of is university overrated? Not necessarily in terms of your output or like or or the social experience, but actually, should we be telling so many people that you know university is such a fantastic time? Because clearly, for a significant amount of people, they go there and they hate it. Yeah, I remember uh, my um, I think it was my sister's friend's like mum or something. I uh, the week before I joined, I went to uni. We bumped into her at, like a supermarket or something, and she was like talking to us about uni but she was like warning about like there's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle if you know what I mean like no no she she was saying it's gonna be like a really fun experience but there's gonna be times where it's gonna be a struggle you're gonna be like almost like bored and on your own for a bit and like don't sort of expect everything to work out like perfectly at uni yeah and I think that perception isn't there like we always hear kind of the positives i mean i don't know about like your parents or people that you know who like had told you about university before you went how many of them told you about a negative experience about uni or said oh uni like, i hated it or like it's not that good the vast majority of what you hear are all positive stories yeah yeah i don't think i heard any negative stories no no you might get your person saying oh it's such a big life change which obviously it is it's such a huge experience but there's never an emphasis on you know the possibility that it would be negative or even just there'd be aspects of aspects of it that you don't enjoy so much it's always just oh it's so new and it's all amazing you're gonna love it but no one really in my case anyway like prepares you for like Lawrence says at the time where you're just sort of on your own or you know not wanting to talk to anyone but then you've got nothing to do things like that yeah like the, the, the whole you know the 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 talk about it's an opportunity for you to go out away from home live independently kind of be an adult but also the flip side of that is that i mean there are people who are now living as adults who are you know incredibly depressed who can't seem to fit in anywhere 
who aren't being able to you know make those changes and make them sustainable over a long period of time so to expect like 18 year olds to ship them off to a random town in the middle of nowhere and go like yeah this is you're gonna like have fun now and also do a degree and also kind of you know just yeah. deal with everything else like that's that's your expectation to be fair in like first year in particular i had a lot of time where i was just in the flat like for like the whole day and i just no one would be around or like there'd be other people being like their rooms and stuff but it'd be like i remember watching 40 episodes of the US office in one day. What? Which, mate, mate, let's, let's break that down because... Wait, no, they're like which, 25 minutes. Which 40? The US office is about 20, 25 minute episodes. But I'm trying to work out. I think I must have woke up at like 11 and didn't stop watching it till like 5am. So you're telling me, Loz, you watched a thousand hours <laughs> of... Sorry, a thousand <laughs> minutes. <laughs> no, sorry, it's a thousand minutes. thousand minutes of... Um, That's nearly 17 yeah, hours. That's 17 hours! <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There is, there was a lot of, there was quite a bit of sort of boredom at uni. Sometimes they don't really tell you about, but maybe that's just me. But and this is the thing. So that period of time where you're kind of on your own in your flat, kind of talks about the wider discussion of, do you think unis kind of abdicate their responsibility in terms of looking after students? Because from what I kind of see. It seems like unis will say, hey, this we're going to give you a great education. You're going to live here for three years or however longer. Thank you for the money. But when you, once you get here, you're on your own. Can I just work out and find your feet? Do you think they should do more to help students when they get there? I think so. I, I agree. I think they put a lot of emphasis on the independence of it. So I would say that unis would claim there is all the support you need is there. All you have to do is go and find it or go and ask for it. But I think that is a lot to pile on an 18-year-old that's only stopped living with their parents a week ago. Yeah. I think at least for the first year, there could be more in terms of like the pastoral support side of things, just to ease you in, maybe. And then by the time you're in second and third year, and you know, you're a bit older. Like I'd say the difference in your personality between 18 and 20 could like could be quite significant for a lot of people so by that point you're ready to know what support you need and go and ask for it but when you've just moved out at 18 i think they could do more to help with that like personal aspect of uni it's so formative you've literally gone from a sick being a sixth form student in four months starting university and suddenly like contact with lecturers unless they're particularly approachable and they make that effort themselves it's very arm's length yeah. I, I I agree with you. I don't think the pastoral care is nearly as good enough. I, I I've seen on TikTok and stuff people making kind of memes about like uni pastoral care and saying like it's you know it's a phone call and a student's going oh like I'm you know I'm feeling really depressed and it's, just, it's like a parody woman just being like oh you're really depressed aren't you oh that's really sad oh have you th- thought about going outside um watching a movie ha- completely inept in the way that they actually manage students. I think, yeah, it's definitely underemphasized that sort of thing, isn't it? Like, they should probably, even in, like, lectures, have, like, people come in, like, the first few lectures, like, to sort of mention about what they have in terms of pastoral care and stuff, because everyone goes to the first lectures because they're, like, enthusiastic. So. Like, do you think, so, for example, hypothetically, if you were struggling in uni and you had to contact someone about it, would you more likely contact one of your friends at home 
or like at another university about something that you were going through, or would you be more comfortable speaking to the university about it? Probably a friend at home or something. Which is mental, isn't it? Because they're not, obviously they can give you an emotional support to a degree from a distance, but yeah. they have no understanding of like the inner workings of what's actually going on on campus. I think most yeah. people would not feel comfortable. Like, I, don't, I don't think I have ever gone to university for anything. Not because I didn't necessarily need it, but I was like, well, where the hell do I even start? Do I speak to my tutor about it, who I see like once every two weeks? Or so basically, essentially a stranger? Or do, do I go into university and talk about it? Like, what's the outcome of that? I think the only other time I went into uni for something was to replace my student card. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> like, other than going into uni to do uni, but like, outside of uni, that was it. In terms of now, obviously all of us have kind of graduated. We've left that lifestyle behind us. Yeah. Um, how well do you think uni's prepared you for what you're doing now? Or what you at least plan on doing at some point? Well, I don't know if it's prepared me very well, considering. I am, um, but then I, I'm probably one of those people that I didn't really know what I wanted to do right up till uni. Still don't really know what I want to do. Uh, haven't really used my degree yet. You know, get a job, like a job, related to it or anything so yeah. Yeah, probably a bad example but yeah I don't think that's a bad example I think the the majority of people are in that position and again an, another perception at university is that when you go in with your degree even if it's not something that is necessarily what you want to do it will translate in some way but did you get any guidance as to yeah. what you could potentially do when you left no, not really I, it was all sort of like the same sort of options would be I think we had a we had a module called professional development, which we didn't. Well, a few of me and my mates we didn't really like the guy who was doing the module. So it was one of those where he was one of those where he like had favourites, if you know what I mean. So he'd oh, really, really help out some people because yeah. we were meant to get like placements and stuff and things like that. He'd really like like work experience and stuff. He'd really help out some people and like find his own contacts to help them. And then others, he'd sort of put the burden on them to do everything. And um, I, I think a few of me and my mates just ended up not like even just basically flunking that whole module because we didn't really get enough support in that aspect. Yeah, with me, like one of the things that the uni used to like sell the course that I did to everyone was say, how it left your options like career options wide open afterwards like it doesn't close anything off to you you could probably move into most industries or careers afterwards because we covered like a broad range of things during the course which sounded great right it's like, okay great i'm not closing my off my closing anything off to me i i'll have so many like career options when i graduate and then you graduate and it's like shit i've got so many options i don't really know what i want to do I don't know how to access those options. So now I'm just like left here paralyzed by indecision and I ended up working at Sainsbury's. Like, it's, and really dedicate yourself before your exams to getting internships or whatever. I feel like it's quite hard to get that first step onto a, just a like, you know, proper job. I think unless you actively get like, sort of, say you spend the last sort of six months of uni, like, speaking to people and like and choose and trying to actively like put yourself in a position yeah. to like be ready afterwards you sort of go back to sort of well i've sort of gone back to like point zero in that i don't really know what i want to do still and i don't really know what i can really get into other than teaching PA. 
it's it's the paralysis of choice so it's not that there aren't options it's just that there are so many choices and yet the university hasn't told you how to distill those into what you might be good at or what you know you might be more suited to so they've just decided well we'll give them all the choices and then they'll just decide what happens yeah and it comes back to support again fantastic segue my god look at (laughs) look at that good lord that's super merry (laughs) can you can you hear me uh, I think so. Yeah, I can Hello? hear you, Ben. You can hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, All right, guys, if, if I'm sorry, I'm late, you know, I've come from a book launch. It's just I'm quite rude. for the book? So we can have some context. Slight... It's called The Christmas Carols. It's about... I think that's been released before, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you got Charles Dickens in his office. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm not being mistaken. I think that's been released before. I don't think you need to launch it today. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not a Christmas Carol. It's the Christmas Carol. Okay, okay. Oh shit, that um, is different. There was, you know, there was free, there was free wine all night, so I'm slightly drunk, but I'm here for it. I'm, I made it. I made it for you guys. Fantastic. Um, so well, well, I think that we've brought a nice you, you missed a very great discussion actually about uni what we thought about going into uni what we expected out exactly. of it how uni could have supported us more so we can go on to another topic so a couple of weeks ago uh, is what like certain media companies or sorry, news organisations called um, the great blackout which is when uh, a lot of Facebook services or now Meta went down to Instagram WhatsApp Facebook were down for like five hours and what that got me thinking of is what is an important skill that you know you think is dying out maybe because you observed them you know a certain skill from your parents or uh people from a different generation and you think that's a skill that like, the next generation might miss out on i've got a quick one that we can start with go on um it's something that i guessed would be happening just like i was thinking to myself i'm sure this is yeah. and then uh louisa and her mum also works in a school like confirmed it to me um kids now on the whole can't read an analog clock really because there's no need to anymore like think of all the different clocks you have in your life right now like i can see two on my screen right now there's one on my phone most people's watches are digital now like there is no need to read an analog clock and it's just a skill that will eventually die on because i guess they still have clocks on the walls like analog clocks on the walls the kids don't, don't read them or are in it. Oh, they don't, don't read, read them. them. And often, you know, if the battery in those dies or they break, they don't get replaced because there's no budget for schools anymore. That's so unreal. That upsets me. That upsets me. But then I guess, you know, it's an imp- it's, I think it's a very important skill because it's not just analog clocks, it's sundials as well. You know, they're going to go out of fashion <laughs> as well. So I, I ruined the day that the last sundial was ripped out of this country. <laughs> Are you saying you don't you don't have a sundial in your garden? Well, I'm sorry, Ben, but some of us are not lucky enough to have a garden. So, Ooh. Ooh, I think you just called <laughs> bourgeoisie, Ben. I think that's what's, uh, that's what's happened just there. No, that's actually that's actually sad. I mean, I, I do I do understand why it would happen, yeah. but it's just sad, isn't it? Because in of itself, it's probably not that important of a skill, right? But it's symptomatic of a lot of other things that will probably end up dying off as well. Um, one of the things I think especially applies to men of a certain generation is uh, DIY. 
like the ability yeah. to just do stuff yeah. around the house, being able to fix a leaky sink, to be able to put something up on a shelf. Like, do you think that's yeah. stuff dying out as well? Do you have a toolbox yeah. in your flat, Ash? I do, yeah. Um, I do a toolbox. And you know what, because of, because of like, you know, we're, we're doing the place up at the moment. So I have been trying to take an active role um, in doing little bits that I can do. Saying that, I did get a handyman around the other day uh, to pop a mirror because it was quite big. Um, but in, in the mix, but it has kind of shown me that that I think my and it's a shame because my dad is actually very practical. Like he can do like proper stuff around the house. Yeah. When my dad moved moved to his first flat, the 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 first and only present that his dad got for him was a how to DIY tool, like bot book and a toolbox. That was the only thing his dad got him. And it was like that's all you need, basically, son, to to make it. <laughs> As but real man. <laughs> yeah, literally. I know it's, it sounds old-fashioned, but like, I don't have a toolbox. I can do half the shit my dad can do. Yeah. So what did he go into after he got the toolbox? Did he what? What did he go into after he got the toolbox? Police. Did he go straight away and just walk? I started. Me- yeah, the police. But did he need the toolbox for that? <laughs> It wasn't for the job. It's for the place, wasn't it? It's for the place he moved into. It's for his house. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but you said that's what he needs to make it. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, in the in the in the adult world, I guess he means <laughs> to make to make the house yeah. or make the stuff yeah, in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But do you, but do you think um, is that something that you're concerned about? Like, especially in discussions about what um, what kind of what makes a modern man? Is that something that you think is part of your repertoire that you're missing? Yeah, I probably actually. I'm not very good at DIY yeah. at all. I am um, yeah. even like my light bulb upstairs has gone, and it's been gone for about a week and a half. And I've just, I don't fear changing the light bulb. <laughs> it sounds like you do. <laughs> you preface it with that because yeah. that's now exactly what I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not 100 percent sure if I'm going to do it right, which is silly because I'm. 24 yeah. and should be should know how to change a light bulb. I would argue that changing a light bulb isn't DIY. Is it just screwing yeah, it in, isn't it's it? It's a case of taking oh. the old light bulb, light bulb out, going to a shop, and then putting the new one in. Like, it's just... Oh, we've got the, we've had the new one for a week as well. <laughs> i tell you what, I don't want to make this conversation too boring, but buying light bulbs is actually really tough. There are so many different kinds. Luckily, in the high street, it's a little DIY store. So what I do is obviously I have no idea about like the certain types of light bulbs, the wattage, you know, yeah. like, how it works. Yeah. <laughs> what type of screwing do you need? I don't know. I take the old bulb with me yeah. and I go to the yeah, shop. And like, to the hey mate, can, can you show me one of these, please? <laughs> I need one like this, but that works. <laughs> so hey mate, yeah, one of these, but one of these, and the light comes on. Oh, no. That's, that's embarrassing. I feel like we've been, we've been spoiled. With a 24 whatever it is, but I don't. Yeah. We've been spoiled by. Yeah, but they don't teach you that sort of stuff. Like, I know your parents probably meant to teach you that sort of stuff, but like, surely in like school they could like have a little light bulb session. In in defense of kind of uh, generation before us, they were never taught at school. It was just part of like what it was to be an adult and to be able to manage your own lifestyle. Uh, a while ago, me and Lily were putting a bed together. In making the bed, there's like a compartment uh, under the bed, and there's two pistons either side. And we couldn't 
shot these pistons for the life of us and I didn't know how they worked. I didn't really know what a piston was in the context of a bed. I knew how they worked on trains, but this is a different scenario. I had to Google it and I found a YouTube video of someone basically saying, right, if you have pistons stuck in a bed, that's what you do. But I had no intuition as to how to resolve that problem. Yeah, but what, did you read the instructions? That's what I was going to ask. So the instructions merely said that once you attach the pistons from the lower frame to the under the mattress bit of the bed, it should close. And it wasn't yeah, close. So there's expectancy in the instructions as well, isn't there? Exactly. That's where Which we're that's not living what, up. That's where brute force comes into it, Ash. You just force it closed. But obviously, I don't want to snap the bed and, and like, break it. Uh, another kind of potential thing that might be dying out, that's an important skill, is a sense of direction. Knowing the roads around where you live yeah. on, knowing the way to get to certain places or you know train stations or tube stations or significant landmarks. I I don't even know maybe the six roads from my house to like Oval Tube Station. Yeah. Really? The amount of times I would have gotten lost and probably died on the streets without Google Maps. Honestly. I could count it on two hands, honestly. Ben, your sense of direction is, I think, the worst that I've ever encountered. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It's so bad. I'm alright with it. I I don't know if it's because of my memory. I can sort of remember things. So I'll know, like, I can walk... From, I can walk from your house, Ash, to like the stations, like Denmark Hill and stuff. For, like Ben, if I had to get a train and I had to go to like your house in Tottenham Corner, I could remember doing yeah. it, but I wouldn't know any of the names. So if so- I had to describe it to someone, like, oh, what road is that on? Mm-hmm. I would have no idea. Yeah. No, I have to look up every time. Like if someone ever tells me their address and I go there, I just won't remember where their house is. Like how many times have I been to your house, Ash? No, countless. I couldn't find my way there now. If you just said really? go, go on your own and try and find a town. I'd no. no. <laughs> I need Google Maps every single time. I've got no chance. Weirdly enough, um, I've had um, about three times in the last month or so, someone has gone up to me at the end of my road and asked me for directions to a, like, a road around. I know you're not meant to do this, but I like go on Google. I had to like, even if it's a road, it's like two roads down. I've had to like go on like Google Maps to look at it because I yeah. don't really know the names of the roads. One time when I was at uni, someone came up to me like that and asked for directions, and it happened to be where I was going. But I didn't. Oh, wanna, so I didn't want to be oh. like, oh yeah, just come with me. <laughs> <laughs> I told them like the long way round to go. So I'm like, oh, can you go up there and then left and then left again. You get there, so no, I just walked straight there and I gave them the long way round because I didn't want to have to walk with them the entire Joe, time. you bastard. <laughs> well, I had um, one... This guy was like 50 or something. This is I was with my mum and it was like New Year's Day. And this guy was like, he must have had a, a great night the night before and continued into the day. <laughs> and it was like, uh, it was like morning, mid-afternoon, or like mid-off, midday, sorry. And um, he was asking for directions and he was just... You could, he had his piece of paper and stuff with the like, you know, the, when they have the piece of paper that has the road he's meant to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kept telling him like where to go, but every time he was just like, "So where do I go?" Like he kept repeating himself, like not listening at all. And he's just like, he'd like completely discard everything we said every time. So and he's like, "So where's this?" And we just like, we just told you where this is and yeah. stuff. But um, I actually feel that because yeah. a few times I've asked people for directions. And they've told me where to go, but I'm so invested in like the conversation that I'm not actually listening not to their yeah. And so I say it all, and I'm like, "All right, thank you." And then I walk off. I walk two steps, and I What's go. The first one again. Yeah. <laughs> what was I going? 
And you get it, because we walked off after this, we, we told him a few times, and then you look around and he's talking to the next people, like, about 10 metres yeah. along, oh. asking them for directions as well. It's like... Do you feel okay. offended that your instructions weren't clear enough, they had to ask someone else? Well, I don't really have trust in my own instructions a lot of the time. I don't have faith in myself to deliver them, but I feel like um, I did all right, but I just assumed he just wasn't listening. So. Obviously, in you know, first a generation, literally just the one before us, they didn't have, or at least they were in a time where sat navs were just coming in. So they, in terms of their directional skills, it was an A to Z. My dad used to say that he, if he was driving, like driving from Eastbourne to London or Eastbourne to Wales, it would be purely on A to Z map. Like, oh, if, I'm, yeah. if I get lost, I'll just pull over and just see where I'm going. Yeah. Could you read? that map now if you were driving somewhere or going somewhere oh hey when you have to like you can't zoom in with your eyes that's the problem (laughs) (laughs) you know when you're like look at the roads imagine like i mean i say it's all right but like the focus of a whole map is just mate ordnance survey maps used to have a um a magnifying glass clipped to the side of it so if you wanted to zoom in you'd have to just get on the really yeah (laughs) Like, where's thing. Wally? Finding the street is like, where's Wally? If you don't recognise like how the streets are laid out, mm. finding where you're actually meant to go is quite difficult. Yeah. And having to remember the whole journey as well, because I remember yeah. when we used to go on holiday as kids, my dad would have like an A4 piece of paper with the entire route on, like take junction seven on this motorway and follow it. Like yeah. obviously now you've got a sat-nav to just tell you whenever, you don't have to remember anything. But having to remember a whole three hour car journey or whatever, I would yeah. think I could do that. I know. We're just no, so pathetic compared to the last generation, aren't we? Honestly. Do you think we are? Yeah. Our well, I think we're amazing. Our the, brains have wilted to nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're in like the midway, the segue sort of generation. So the next generation is going to be even worse, is what you're saying. Yeah. It's going to have less of these sort of skills. We can. I think we have sort of the direction skill. Like. So you're saying that, you know, I, I agree with you. People who are kind of who grew up on the internet. We didn't really grow up on it. It kind of came into our lives at quite, you know, a relatively young age. I think we had the perfect timing with tech. Perfect timing, I think. We had a childhood yeah. and then, yeah. But imagine tomorrow, so Ben, you're talking about Google Maps. Imagine tomorrow that, you know, map functionality on a laptop or a phone just ceased tomorrow. How do you go to work? How do you meet friends? Oh, I could do work and that'd be it. Yeah. I'd know, I'd know one destination if you work. <laughs> Would you be able to get back from work? Yeah. I hope so. You know, if your one train that you get was cancelled one time, what's your alternative? Do you know? Wait until the next one. <laughs> Two days later. Another interesting thing with, in terms of like having that kind of, especially with phones, having it so readily available, is that I always thought it was really strange to think about meeting up with people in a generation before phones. So let's say we plan to go to like go to the cinema, yeah. right? We'd have to call each other and be like, hey, like we're going to cinema at 6.30, see you there. But when you're out, you have no way of contacting anyone. Oh. I kind of prefer that though, honestly. I kind of wish we had that. Because it means people can't people can't cancel on you last minute. Because you've already set off like two hours ago. People don't really cancel on me last minute, so I, I can't really relate to that. <laughs> can't relate. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, ben, do you, you, you'll probably remember this. I think it was like year seven or eight, but it's when we were like, had like phones but only used them for calls and stuff and they were all rubbish phones yeah yeah and i think we agreed to go to the cinema in like wimbledon with like robbie and stuff mm. and like conf- like i remember this distinctly i am um, 
So I confirmed, I said I was coming at school, you know what I mean? And then we didn't like make any other, like, we didn't really talk on the phone or anything about it. And then on the day, I think we were meeting at like 12.30, I was like five minutes late and you guys just assumed I wasn't coming and just got on the bus and like went all the way to Wimbledon. I had to get like, I had to get my mum to, to ring, I think I had written down Robbie's phone, phone number for my like birthday or something like, I don't know. But inviting him to my birthday, so I had to get my mum to call Robbie to say I was coming because yeah. <laughs> I didn't know where to go, like, or anything. We met like at the school in year seven. There was one time I'd organized to go to Ollie's house, I think on the weekend or something. Um, but on the way, so my mum had used like an A to Z to work out how to drive there the night before and was taking me, but then on the way, there was roadworks or something, so we couldn't go on the route that we thought we were going so a similar thing we had to go and find a red phone box to then phone his mum and be like how do we get to your house from here we can't go down this road that we thought we could like how do we get there well, like... i thought those those were just for people to piss it to be honest <laughs> I actually... well, they are. <laughs> that too. coincidentally i walked past someone's house in like i think beddington area like um the other day and he just I don't know if it's a he or she actually. I don't know what the homeowner is really. But they, um, in their front garden, they just had like a, a red phone box with no phone in it, just an empty one as like a sort of ornament at the front of the house. Nice. Maybe it's, it's like a TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. But the in, you could see the inside and it was quite like small. Normal size. Yeah. Another important skill that I thought is kind of relating to something that the younger generation might not be able to have that I think we might have um, is an ability to disconnect. So being able to kind of unplug ourselves, have time away from screens. I know that a lot of us are still, you know, heavily dependent. You can't really get by in today's world without it. But we, again, like you said, Joe, we were part of a generation that we had, you know, online meeting up wasn't really a thing. We still did a lot of the things we did in person. Yet people who are younger, a lot of their interactions from a very kind of from year seven are primarily online. And do you think that could pose a problem in the future for kids who might struggle to be able to like get themselves away and into kind of quote unquote the real world? Would you consider that a skill being able to disconnect? I think so. It's definitely valuable. I think whether it's a skill or not. For example, Ben, I know we're doing this at the moment, but ordinarily, if you came home from work. I'm sure your first natural instinct isn't like maybe to get on a laptop and go online because you haven't grown up without being such a readily available thing or a routine that you used to be doing. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the things you can do without a screen, it feels very limited, doesn't it? Like you get home, you either read a book, you do something practical like cook dinner, or you whip a screen out. That's pretty much all all you've got. I remember I think my internet was down a couple of... um months ago or something in the house and I distinctly remember not having much I could think of doing um, any other skills that you thought well yes dying out that you wanted no. to share with the group something came to mind immediately Ash it's something I do which you might know um, public wear speaking moustaches. <laughs> wear moustaches wear them well public, <laughs> public speaking <laughs> so you can shut up right <laughs> being rude so so I was reading a book recently about um, about ancient Rome, and to be 
an ambitious person in Roman society, this is a bit of a tangent, but to be an ambitious person in Roman society, you had to be a good public speaker, or at least competent. And they actually taught it in schools, like it was a massive part of their curriculum. They'd learn how to speak in public. Nowadays, I think if you asked the general public, give a speech in front of 50 or 60 people and see how it goes. I reckon like two to 5% of people could do it confidently. Like I think it's a pathetic amount of people can actually give a speech. It's something I do as a hobby, so I, I really enjoy it. I think it's really satisfying to give a speech and people be like, oh yeah, that's sick. But most people would like be nervous, they'd struggle through it. And even today when I was at this book launch, people, like the people giving speeches were like, you could tell they were nervous. And they were still pretty good speeches, but they weren't like amazing because the people couldn't, they couldn't make the most of it. They weren't trained. But I don't think any young people nowadays, pretty much almost no one is, is trained in public speaking. I think the, not necessarily public speaking, but I think being able to communicate effectively is a skill that is um, massively underrated because um, there's, there's not any element of any kind of type of work or any public setting or any kind of relationship, even on a very personal level, to be able to speak and get your ideas across in a way that people can understand and it's clear will massively improve your immediate relationship with like even your friends, your family. It's so important. It's so important. Like, if you're right, imagine you're at work and you're shit at your job, right? But you are a fantastic public speaker. People yeah. will still think, "Wow, if you give a speech, but wow, you're you know you're good at your job because you're just coming across so well." Like, the, it's such a valuable skill, um, and I'm so glad that I've been doing it. I've been doing it for two years. I, I think, in terms of your ability to speak, I think it actually comes ahead of your quality, the quality of your ideas. I think if you're a captivating speaker. Even if you, I mean, we see this in like politics, people who are r fantastic orators who actually aren't saying anything particularly groundbreaking or in kind of the worst situation, some things that are quite divisive. They get people's attention. They, they really re resonate with people. Yeah. We did, a, we did a bit of public speaking at school. We had a, there was a competition then. Like one of the challenge days, didn't we have- um... Me and Owen O'Sullivan did a debate, a debate in front of the whole assembly. Do you remember that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure all public speaking at school was voluntary, unless yeah. it was sometimes in English there was some like marked thing they had to read yeah. out what you'd written or something. But anything in terms of proper public speaking was all voluntary. The problem with how it was taught was they just throw you in. They'd be like, "Who wants to do public speaking?" And you'd be like, "Oh, yeah, I'm, no I'm interested say yes. in that." They just throw you in. They, there was no training. They wouldn't tell you like skills or tips. There was no evaluation afterwards. People wouldn't tell you, you know, what you did well in your speech, what to do better next time. And perhaps most importantly, it wasn't like a safe speaking environment. Like you're so open to ridicule. Yeah. Speaking in front of a whole of assembly of your mates, you're so open to ridicule. If you do something wrong, everyone's going to be yeah. ripping you for, for weeks. Whereas when you go to an actual speaking club and they teach you, it's like everyone's very supportive. Even if you're terrible, they go like, this is what you can improve. They clap you after you're finished. It's such a different environment to how it is in school. Yeah. Like how would you guys feel right now? Like Lawrence or Ash or, or Joe, how would you feel if you had to go speak in front of 50 60 people right like tomorrow it's really weird i have a, I have a bit of a disconnect because i'm I, i'm quite confident and I, I think i have quite a lot of self-esteem being on stage i don't get nervous very easily but i know that i'm quite a naturally fast speaker so even now that i'm i'm being very conscious to like i've literally got a note next to me oh, saying sorry. talk I've slowly yeah and speaking quickly is a like a sure sign in speaking that you're either nervous or you just haven't been doing it too yeah. much yeah, yeah i definitely remember whenever i've asked to present something i always like start speaking too quickly yeah and, like stumble over my words uh, 
Joe, do you remember in like biology? I think it was like sixth form where we had to make our own like presentation or something. Yes, we, like, I did. Did a project. You had presentations in AS biology. It was like a slide project thing. It was like a. Okay. We had was... to do it quite a lot actually. There was one I because there was somewhere we did some sort of research project and had to present it at the end. But there was other times where we just got given a topic to research for like homework now to come in and yeah. present it the day after. Like, I remember I did mine on um, like the drugs that Justin Gatlin had used to cheat or something like that. Like we had to go home and research and then present it the day after. That's yeah, cool. but I remember. Um... I'm pretty sure I. It was the, probably the most boring speech, or speech, or like presentation yeah. I've ever done. And I wasn't like obviously I wasn't really that infused by my own research anyway. But I just remember turning to like I think Josh at the end, and he was like, I, and he just said to me, he was like, oh yeah, to be honest, mate, I didn't listen to any of it because I was. <laughs> I, was so, I wish I just rambled and was so like <laughs> so like boring and. Um, that you're honestly, you're, you're actually touching on something so important, though, right? <laughs> An attitude you have to have when you go into a speech is that yeah. most people don't give a shit what you're saying, right? If your speech is boring, they'll just tune out. They don't care. Yeah. Your job is to make them interested, and to do that, you have to be a confident and be good. You have to be like as engaging as possible. Yeah. Otherwise, people are just gonna just fall asleep. This this is quite a nice thing. I might actually give you the final word on this, Ben. If you had to kind of tell someone who didn't know anything about public speaking or Toastmasters in particular, what, what would you say? What's it about? How do you get into it? What do you ultimately try to get out of it since you've been um, joined with them? Yeah, uh, if basically what I would say is if you're an ambitious person, if you want to like make your way in the world in any kind of industry as like a manager or, you know, any kind of leadership position, A, you need public speaking as a skill. You need it to be like competent. Toastmasters is a club which was like based in America originally, where people go and they go in like a really safe environment and everyone just practices speaking. You practice it like every other week and you basically just over time you you find out, people give you evaluation, what you did what you're bad at, what you need to do better at in speaking. And just being in front of people and getting that kind of feedback, it really makes you a better speaker um, in like a really safe way. So as I say, if you want to be a better public speaker, join like a Toastmasters club. Just get the practice um, in front of strangers, not your mates who are going to take the piss out of you. And then eventually when you do like give a best man speech or you give a speech at work, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be good. You're going to know what you're good at, what you should be doing. So join a Toastmasters club, basically, is what I'd say. <laughs>